Welcome to the Supervisory Development Course Podcast from the University of Minnesota. This episode is adapted from a webinar that aired on November 15th, 2017. The podcast discusses onboarding new employees in the context of the University of Minnesota. For more information and resources, visit supervising.umn.edu and explore Module 6 on onboarding new employees. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Onboarding New Employees webinar. So before we get into our content today, we want to hear from you. And in the chat box, what you can do is briefly describe your first day at the university. Was it good or was it bad? And if you can't remember, maybe think of something that you've heard from a friend or a colleague. So some things that are coming in, it was not awesome. Good, but going mostly solo. They didn't tell me where to go. Oh, no, total chaos. I had no desk, no email. Different than I expected. Some people said it was exciting. It was good. Good, but not structured. A little overwhelming. Lots of reading. That doesn't sound very fun. Don't remember. That's okay. Training was overwhelming. It took a few days to get access. It was very good. It was good, but I had to figure out how many, thing, many things on my own without much direction. Disorganized. Day went really well. Met with the supervisor, met with HR. Snowstorm. Uh oh. <laughs> Getting into that season again. These are great. Keep them coming. We're going to talk about them a little bit later and give you tips in ways so that your new employees don't have these same experiences. The bad, the bad ones anyway. We want them to have the good experiences. So we'll get back to those. Thank you so much for your participation in that. So we're going to get started with our content today. So again, I want to welcome you to onboarding new employees. This is part of the supervisory development course and is meant to give you, the supervisor, ideas for creating an effective onboarding plan. So I'm Amanda Wolford, and I'm joined by Christina McGuire and Brandon Sullivan. We're all from Leadership and Talent Development. And just to be clear, this webinar is intended for supervisors and not necessarily new employees. So I just want to call that out in case there was any confusion. So let's make sure that we all have an understanding of what onboarding is. After an employee accepts a job and prior to them even starting, onboarding is the process of transforming them into a fully functioning member of your team. It starts with a thought out plan for this transition and then tailoring it to the specific level and position of the new employee. It's also important to know the difference between orientation and onboarding. Orientation is an event. It's short-lived and focuses on logistics, rules, and information. The Office of Human Resources offers new employee orientation once per month, and you may also have your own local orientation. The key thing is to remember is that while these are very important, they're not enough to effectively onboard someone. This is because employees are often supported closely by supervisors and peers for the first month, and then it trickles off. Onboarding, on the other hand, is a process set up to cultivate long-term relationships, promote an understanding of organizational culture, and foster a sense of belonging. Onboarding as a process may take anywhere from six months to a year to complete, depending on the job. This is especially important with jobs that are cyclical. For example, someone who starts in September, but until graduation rolls around in May, they really don't have the full picture of the position. 
So now that you know what onboarding is and the difference between it and orientation, why have a supervisory development webinar and module on subject? Research says that employees who attend a well-structured onboarding program are nearly 70% more likely to remain at the organization for up to three years. If an organization lacks an effective onboarding program, it'll cost them. Nearly one in three new hires leave an organization, voluntarily or involuntarily, before the end of their first year, and some decide this within the first month. And it's estimated that 50% of all senior outside hires fail within 18 months on the job. This turnover is significant and can cost between 50 to 150% of the annual salary for the job, which includes the time it takes to find someone new to fill the position. So this is why we need effective onboarding. So next, Brandon is going to talk about onboarding and how it fits in the big picture of engagement. Thanks, Amanda. Uh, There are many proven benefits of a good onboarding plan. It quickly engages a new employee in the work of the department, college, or unit. It shortens the time it takes them to start contributing and performing successfully. It also helps a new employee quickly learn how to use their skills, knowledge, and expertise in their new role and how to effectively work with their colleagues. It also demonstrates to the new employee that your department, college, or unit is well-run and values their employees by being prepared for them when they start. Ultimately, a good onboarding plan significantly reduces the chances that a newly hired employee will leave soon after they start or be unable to perform their job. So whether you care most about engagement, retention, performance, or productivity, a new onboarding or a good onboarding plan is absolutely critical. At the University of Minnesota, our definition of employee engagement is the extent to which individuals devote time, energy, and effort to their work, with the highest levels of engagement resulting from facing meaningful challenges while also having the support, resources, and confidence needed to address those challenges. Onboarding is really an engagement strategy. Engagement is about motivating and supporting a group of people as they work together toward a common set of goals and priorities. Onboarding is about figuring out how to motivate and support a new person as they join you in working toward your group's common goals. Think about it this way. Just about every new employee starts out motivated and excited for their new job. Consider the last time you started a new job. You were probably eager to get started, meet your colleagues, and dive into your work. I bet you felt pride in your new job and the department, college, or unit you were joining. You may have imagined all the great things you would accomplish in the coming months and years. The data bear this out. Engagement and job satisfaction among newly hired employees is off the charts. 90% are more favorable. Then, over the first year or year and a half, that initial excitement and enthusiasm wears off. Although you probably can't prevent some decline in enthusiasm, a good onboarding plan can prevent a big decline and can make the difference between a hockey stick and a U. So what does that mean? Well, when you plot engagement, job satisfaction, and retention for new employees over time, a poor onboarding plan, or the lack of a plan, often results in a hockey stick pattern. Engagement starts out strong, quickly declines as the new employee struggles to figure out how to be effective, how to work with their colleagues, and how to navigate the culture of their department or unit. Engagement then settles into a long, slow decline and never recovers. As you might imagine, this does not end well. Either the employee leaves or they stay, but as a disengaged employee. On the other hand, a good onboarding plan results in a U-shaped pattern. Engagement starts out strong, drops a bit, 
but then rebounds to a high level as the new employee figures out how to be effective, how to work with their colleagues, and how to navigate the culture of their department or unit. Data from three engagement surveys tell us that the University of Minnesota faculty and staff are as committed and dedicated to their work and the success of their departments, colleges, and units as employees in some of the world's most successful and well-respected private sector companies. As a supervisor, you play an important role in helping new employees understand the culture and learn how to be successful. Now, Christina is going to do a quick poll, and then we'll talk about the elements of a good onboarding plan. So here's the poll question. Do you have an onboarding plan? A, yes, B, no, or C, not sure. So go ahead and select. Okay, so we have some results here. It looks like most people do have um, an onboarding plan. So we have a majority of people who have said, um, yes, it looks like about um, half of the Half of you out there who have answered do have some sort of plan. Um, so this next section covers the what and the how to build an onboarding plan. For those that currently don't have a plan, it will provide guidance and tools to build one. And for those of you that do have a plan, hopefully you find this a good opportunity to refresh your plan with some ideas and information shared during this webinar. Um, but before we get into the content, one more poll question. How long should onboarding last? So go ahead and select A, one day to one week, B, one week to a month, C, one to three months, D, three to six months, or E, 12 months. So in your opinion, how long should onboarding last? Okay, so it looks like most people chose E um, by a small lead, which is 12 months, and that is correct. So it should last, E is the best answer. Um, it should last, onboarding should last about a year. It can take new employees months to form their impression of the company and decide if it is a good fit for them. So it's important to understand that while they have accepted and, it's, and started the job, the newly acquired talent is still deciding whether they want to stay working for you. In today's job market, candidates have many choices. The onboarding process is a cycle of planning, which is building the plan for the employee, onboarding, which is taking action to onboard the employee according to the plan, and engaging, which is creating the conditions for sustaining the engagement, which starts with the plan and then following the plan. So before talking about the first piece of the process, which is the plan, let's consider the outcome of poor or no planning. So a few moments ago, Amanda asked during the opening chat um, for everybody to share experiences about your first day at the university. So let's consider some of the themes that maybe weren't so positive or some of the worst things that may have happened as you began employment here. So a lot of people said that um, you felt largely on your own, you felt somewhat isolated, a lot of resources were missing, whether it was your desk or computer. Um, you may have been overwhelmed with the, the training or information overload. So those are all things that can happen without a plan and not necessarily a good way to start a job. On the flip side, let's look at the positive outcomes of planning. So again, during the opening chat, you were asked to share experiences. So some of the themes that came through that were on the positive side, that um, you were able to meet people, that you um, were taken out to lunch, which was you know good and welcoming, giving tour of the building or the area. Um, Maybe your boss reviewed expectations and performance goals as well. So those are all ways in which employees feel welcome as they begin a new job. Effective onboarding does start with a plan, and a plan is more than just an administrative or orientation list of to-dos. 
that the new employee needs to accomplish on the first day. An effective onboarding plan extends beyond a checklist. An onboarding plan is the process to transition the new employee into the role and onto the team. It should be built for the specific level and position of the new employee and reflect the unique work environment of the department, college, or unit. As a supervisor, you implement this process of plan, onboard, and engage, and tailor it to the employee. Essentially, a plan ensures that you achieve the benefits of effective onboarding and ultimately engage employees. If you are waiting until the employee's first day to start planning or for the plan to start on the first day, then you are already behind. Effective onboarding begins when the employee has accepted the job offer. It's important to think about what needs to take place and get done between the acceptance, the start date, and then beyond. So how long should onboarding last? A common time frame is the 30, 60, 90 day onboarding plan. And this framework is useful, but only as long as it is aligned with the goal of the onboarding process, which is to acclimate and transition the employee into a fully functioning member of the team. Onboarding new hires at an organization should be a strategic process that should last at least one year to ensure high retention. So while all those timeframes are good guidelines, the exact length of onboarding depends on the function of the job, which varies based on job level, breadth of the role, experience level of the employee, how familiar they are with the organization. So rather than focusing on the specific start and stop times of onboarding elements, focus on moving employees through the onboarding process at a speed which allows them to be successful. Onboarding is a team effort, so you as a supervisor play the primary role. Some colleges, departments, and units have formal onboarding plans while others do not. As a supervisor of a new employee, it is important to connect with your local HR team to coordinate and find out about the available tools, resources, and guidance that they can provide. It is good practice to check in with them as soon as a new employee accepts the job. The new employee's team also plays a vital role in the onboarding process. Your goal as a supervisor is to build an effective team by clarifying the new employee's roles on the team and enlisting the team's collective help in contributing to the success of the new employee. Discuss and find ways that the team can welcome the new employee. For example, ask a team member to act as the designated go-to person when the new employee encounters problems or has questions. As the team is integrated into the plan, keep in mind who may or may not actually be in the office the first day when the employee starts. Ask the team, is anyone scheduled for long vacation or is out on leave when they start? Finally, the new employee has a role too. The new employee should begin to learn the details of their role and begin to perform their job duties. In addition, they should also be encouraged to ask questions in order to continue to learn about the job, the coworkers, the organizational culture, and share their strengths. So we're going to pause for a moment for Q&A. We'll answer what we can now, and the rest will be added to the course Q&A. So we do have a couple of questions that we can answer now. The first one is, how do employees find out about the one-time-a-month training from OHR? And you can go to humanresources.umn.edu and then click on New Employees. That will have the schedule of the sessions that are upcoming, and registration occurs within ULEARN for that. One of the, this wasn't a question, but it was a comment that came out earlier uh, about switching departments and not necessarily getting onboarding uh, when someone did that. And that's something to really keep in mind. Uh, here at the university, a lot of new employees are new to their department or their unit, but they uh, were previously at the university. And so sometimes it's not thought of as onboarding. 
um, but it is very much onboarding. And so don't lose sight of that, that if you have a new employee joining your group or your team and they're coming from another place in the university, they still need onboarding just like everybody else. Okay, great questions. We are going to continue on by looking at the onboarding elements. Effective onboarding plans address the following elements. Communication, resources, compliance, organizational culture, expectations, and relationships. While every effective onboarding plan addresses these elements, they need to be tailored to the new employee based on the level of experience, so are they new to this type of work or an experienced professional? The role, is it a supervisory role, individual contributor, faculty, or executive? How familiar they are with the university. So is the employee new to the U, previously worked here, was a student here, or as was just um, discussed, transitioning from another role at the university? In order for the plan to be effective, keep these characteristics in mind as the onboarding plan is built. Communicating with a new employee prior to the first day is important. Once the job offer is accepted, keep in contact with a new hire to build excitement for their arrival. This will send a welcoming message and instill confidence about them joining the team. Before the first day, send a welcome information packet or email. Provide information such as parking, work hours, location, directions, dress code. This could look like a welcome card that everyone on the team signs, a welcome email with links to connect them to information about the job, the team, or working for your college, department, or unit. Or we've even heard of supervisors asking new employees about their favorite candy. When they arrive on the first day, the candy is waiting for them on their desk or is given to them for recognition later on. This is a great way to personalize their experience. As I continue to describe the onboarding elements, we will follow Zeddy, a manager, as he creates the onboarding plan for Fran, a new employee. So Zeddy is excited that Fran accepted the position. In preparation for her start date in a couple of weeks, he has compiled the following welcome email to send out. Although she has worked at the U before, he still decides to include information about parking and dress code because she hasn't worked in their office and it might have been different in the office that she did work in. In addition to the welcome letter, he also sends out an email to the team to join him and Fran for lunch on her first day. Another element that needs to be addressed is resources. Consider the resources that need to be provided for the new employee so they can be productive as quickly as possible. So this could be a computer, phone, building access, work area, equipment, or special instructions. Make sure that this is all requested with enough lead time so it is ready when the new employee arrives on day one. If you have any questions, check with your local HR team. So back to Zeddy. Zeddy submits a request for supplies, a computer, phone, building access, email, desk, for Fran, and makes sure that they will be ready when she starts on the 20th. Because she is a previous employee, Zeddy indicates that on the request for the email address, ID, and the building access. He wants to prevent duplication in the system, which can cause confusion as, and is a problem he wants to avoid. Compliance is another element to plan for. A new employee needs to be aware of training, policies, and procedures required for their specific job. So take time to map out what policies, procedures, or safety guidelines that they need to know and by when. To determine this, consult the policy library or your local HR team. If possible, spread this information out over a period of time rather than have it all completed on day one. So let's see how Zeddy is handling the compliance portion of the plan. Zeddy reviewed the policy library website to determine what training might be applicable to Fran's role and creates a schedule for completion. 
In addition, he contacts the local HR team to inquire about any other specific policies that Fran may need to be aware of for employees in her particular job. He makes sure to ask if any policies or training might have carried over from when she previously worked here. Organizational culture is the shared assumptions, values, and beliefs that determine how people within a particular organization perceive, think about, and react to each other and events. Within the first few weeks of the new employee's experience in your organization, you'll want to focus on immersing them into your organization's culture and norms and how to navigate relationships. For the first few weeks, this is more important than learning the job itself and is crucial to their success. So Fran has worked at the university before. However, since departments, colleges, and units across the university each have their own unique organizational culture, Zeddy doesn't want to assume that the organizational culture in her previous unit is the same as in this unit. She may be familiar with locations and jargon, but he doesn't want to make that assumption. For her first day, Zeddy created a schedule to include a tour of the office, building, and surrounding area. The first day schedule also includes a discussion about the organizational structure and unit's priorities. He drafted some questions to ask Fran about her unique perspective and strengths and will invite her to frame her work as a platform for doing her best. For example, if she likes editing, maybe she can help with formatting presentations and documents. So Amanda will talk more about organizational culture in a moment, but first let's finish going through the remaining onboarding elements. It is worthwhile for a supervisor to clarify expectations about the new employee's role, performance expectations, how to work with you and the team, and to start and developmental opportunities right away. So start with a job description as a reference point to determine a new employee's performance goals and how they will achieve those goals. Continue these conversations on an ongoing basis as part of an effective performance management process. Let's see how Zeddy plans to address this element. Zeddy schedules time on his calendar to meet with Fran the first week to review her job description and goals. He also plans to share that he has bi-weekly check-ins with his direct reports. This will also provide an opportunity to continue discussing how her strengths can contribute to the team. Since she is new to this type of role, Zeddy wants to ensure that she is aware of developmental opportunities available at her job level that fit her interests. He plans to connect her with the developmental opportunities and resources that are available for the individual contributor. For an employee to feel connected, they need to establish vital interpersonal relationships and networks. As a supervisor, it is important for you to foster relationship between you, the new employee, and the team as a whole. From the start, establish a cadence of ongoing conversations or check-ins with the new employee. In addition to fostering the team relationships, as a supervisor, think about key partners or those outside the immediate team that the new employee needs to know or may need to work with frequently or not to be successful in their role. Once these connections are identified, provide introductions via email or in person. And to avoid overwhelming a new employee, start with a few people. Facilitate introductions between them and the new employee. So back to Zeddy and Fran. Zeddy added an item to the team meeting tomorrow to discuss Fran's start date and roles and responsibilities. He also plans on brainstorming with the team that who else outside of the team that Fran should be introduced to and when and who should make the introductions. Since Fran is an individual contributor, her key partners outside her team are clients and colleagues in other departments or units that she may need to coordinate with to submit work or to get information from to get her work done. Following the meeting, Zeddy will plan to reach out to stakeholders identified to inform them of Fran's start date and arrange a time to stop by for in-person introductions. Once Fran starts, Zeddy plans to make introductions. One might sound like this. Hi, Doug. This is Fran. 
Fran is the new grants administrator. Since you are managing the new National Science Foundation grant for the big research project, you will probably work with her when it comes to coordinating information needed for federal reports. So as you heard, along with sharing names, it is beneficial to explain ways the new employee and the other person might work with each other in the future. Included in the Supervisory Development Course website, there is an onboarding worksheet or tool. The plan elements are listed along with the corresponding questions to consider when building and tailoring the onboarding plan. For those of you that do not have a plan, you can use it to create your own plan for your new employees. And for those of you that already have an onboarding plan, compare your plan with the onboarding elements to make sure you have them all covered for an effective onboarding plan. So let's take a brief moment to recap some key takeaways up to this point. So first we discuss onboarding, what it is, how it is different than orientation. Then we discuss the connection to engagement. Um, next, we talked about the different roles of those involved in onboarding, the supervisor, the team, the new employee, and their associated responsibilities. Also, we introduced elements of effective onboarding plans, which should be tailored to the employee, job, and then the college department or unit. And finally, we mentioned a tool, the onboarding worksheet, that you can use to guide you through the planning stage or to make changes to existing plans. So time for our next Q&A. Um, in addition to an entering any questions, also take a moment to jot down a note to yourself about anything that you might want to try or do differently after hearing this information. Thanks, Christina, and thank you to all who have submitted your questions. We've been getting a lot of them, and so we really appreciate that. So, Brandon, did you have anything? Yeah, well, a few people have asked questions and made comments about uh, things like what about student employees or temporary employees, um, that kind of thing. And, you know, you'd really want to tailor your onboarding approach to, you know, how long is the person likely to be in the role? Uh, if it's a student or a temporary position, you would still want to do onboarding and would still want to think about each of the elements of good onboarding. But your time frame might be much shorter than someone who's coming on in a full-time position that you expect will be there for a long time. Uh, so you'd still want to think it through, um, but you'd probably be more focused with a student or a temporary employee on the, the exact tasks they'll be doing, um, maybe the projects they'll be working on, helping them meet their immediate colleagues, but they probably won't be working uh, generally with, you know, broader stakeholders across the university. So it's going to be just a smaller scope and probably a little bit quicker, but you'd still want to do uh, onboarding. It'll help them be, uh, get, get a, and in some ways it's particularly important because they don't have a lot of time to become effective. Okay, and so a couple other questions. How do new employees get access to the HR orientation when they're not at the Twin Cities campus? So that's the one time a month orientation that the Office of Human Resources holds. So system campus or extension employees are all welcome to come. We understand that that's not always feasible. So you'll want to look to your local campus to see if there's already some kind of programming in place, because I know there, there is at some of the campuses. And in the future, we are looking at ways to put this orientation online to make this better for people and more accessible. So just keep that in mind. It's, it's in a future plan. We don't have anything in the works yet, but we are, we are discussing that. And then there's a lot of questions about resources available to help with the onboarding plan. So that came in at the beginning of Christina's section on the elements. And we have a worksheet online. We have some quick guides online to help you think about some of those things when you're creating your own plan. Uh, there was one question that came through about the difference between onboarding and mentoring. 
And uh, that's a good question. Uh, and really onboarding is as someone is uh, learning their new role, learning their colleagues, learning the culture in their department and so on. Um, it's going to be hard to find a good mentor for a new employee simply because it takes time to find a good mentor. The best mentors, there's kind of a, um, you know, there's a fit between the, the person and the mentor in terms of learning. They can be candid. They get good coaching and advice and so on. And that's hard to do in the first few months. Um, but certainly a good mentor is going to do a lot of the same things that good onboarding would do, help people navigate the culture, help them figure out how to do their job effectively and so on. So I would say there's over, definitely overlap in what good onboarding and good mentoring offer. Um, but good mentoring generally is going to happen uh, after, certainly after the beginning of onboarding. Okay, so we'll hold questions for now. We'll get to more of them at our final Q&A. And I think we have another spot to stop for Q&A as well. So I'm going to take over and talk more about the culture piece, the culture element that Christina was describing. And to get us started, Brandon and I are going to have a quick conversation. So you'll want to listen closely and think about what isn't quite right about our conversation. And there's going to be a poll afterwards. So we're kind of doing a little quiz. So Brandon is my new employee, and I'm his supervisor. Brandon comes from a corporate background, and it's his second day on the job. Hi, Brandon. How was your first day? Oh, man, it was great. I really appreciated the welcome email you sent me last week. It really helped me figure out where to park. And thanks again for taking me out to lunch. That was great. Oh, you're so welcome. It's so great to hear. I'm glad you're figuring your way around, and you'll be up to speed in no time. So for the rest of the week, I'd like you to meet with those people in OIT and CLA that I mentioned. And it would also be good for you to contact Chancellor Bear at UMM because you'll be eventually working with all the system campuses and she's available today. Also, I need you to get to know Brooke over at the AHC because you'll be working with her soon. And then we'll want to make sure your goals for the first three months are aligned with our Urveca competencies. How does that sound? Um, I guess so. What is OIT and CLA? And you said something about AHC, I think. I'm not sure what that is. I've heard the term system campus, but I, I'm not sure what those are. And I'm sorry, you said Urveca or something? So those are great questions that Brandon is asking. And so we're going to talk more about that, but we have a poll for you. So again, I hope you were listening. How many times did I use acronyms and jargon that Brandon may not have understood as a new employee? Was it A4, B5, C6, or D7? And just take your best guess. I see some comments. Haha, ha, that's so true at the U, isn't it? Okay, so a lot of people chose C, which was 6, and then the majority of you chose D7. So... It was actually seven. It was seven acronyms and jargon that I was using, you know, with my conversation with Brandon. So let's break it down a little bit. So first of all, we're all probably guilty of naming our colleges by their acronyms. And eventually Brandon will learn how to communicate this way. But until he's familiar, it's, it's better to spell those out. New employees, especially from outside higher education, may not know the university structure, what chancellors are. They might not even know what a system campus is or UMM, UMD, UMR, etc. And so many employees may not even know that we have five campuses, let alone those acronyms. 
the AHC, the Academic Health Center. Many of us just rattle that off as second nature. And then finally, IRVECA. That's the university's leadership competency model, and that stands for equity and diversity, results, vision, engagement, collaboration, and accountability. And so we talk about that a lot in leadership and talent development, but um, we just want you to know that that's what that stands for in case you didn't know either. So the purpose of doing this is just to remind everyone, including myself, how much inside baseball goes on around here. And sometimes it's like another language is being spoken. So we need to be mindful around new employees during their first few weeks and during meetings. So we're going to take a deeper dive into the concept of organizational culture. As Christina talked about, culture is one of the onboarding elements defined by the shared assumptions, values, and beliefs that determine how the people within a particular organization perceive, think about, and react to each other and events. You're probably already aware that departments, colleges, and units at the university all have their own unique culture that is usually shaped by their function and how people go about their work. There are seven characteristics that form the foundation for an organization's culture. And so you want to think about this for your own department, college, or unit as I explain each of them. So the first one is innovation and risk-taking, which is pretty self-explanatory, but it gets at how much employees are encouraged to take risks. The next one is about how much are employees expected to be precise and pay attention to detail. Then we have outcome orientation. How much focus is there on results, the what, and how much is on the process, the how? With people orientation, how much do people consider the effect that actions and decisions will have on people in the organization? With team organization, or excuse me, team orientation, how much is work organized around teams versus individuals? Competitiveness, how direct, competitive, and or confrontational are people? And then stability, how much emphasis is on the status quo versus growth? So based on how you would answer these questions for your own department, college, or unit, think about what would happen if a new employee tried to do things that go against this culture. For example, a department that conducts innovative research likely has a culture that encourages risk-taking and autonomy. Such a department would reward new ideas and challenge conventional thinking. At the same time, a new employee who tries to put standardized work processes in place and focus on reducing risk may face disapproval and get frustrated when others resist their effort. So when onboarding new employees, learning about the culture is more important than learning about the job itself in the first few weeks. Why is this? Well, it helps them recognize the unwritten rules about how things work in their department, college, or unit by helping them learn both the positive and the challenging aspects of an organization's culture and help them recognize the behaviors and outcomes that are rewarded and valued. If we just let new employees run into culture or test them by asking them to handle situations without any guidance about the culture, it can be very frustrating and discouraging experience for them. And at the same time, we want them to leverage their own strengths and help them see how they can contribute their own uniqueness in the workplace. Giving them an opportunity to express themselves will allow a more positive and authentic experience during a period that employees often find stressful. It's also tempting to talk up the workplace with lofty mission and vision statements or strategic plans or only focus on the positive or aspirational aspects of the culture. This does not actually help new employees understand how things work, 
and how to be successful. It may only set them up for frustration later. Uh, I have a friend who was hired on for a system upgrade project a few years ago, and she was told straight up about how it was likely going to be. It was going to be long hours, nose to the grindstone, etc. But she appreciated knowing that more than being sold a bill of goods that wasn't true. So how do we convey organizational culture to new employees? So there are self-reflection questions to help you consider where your department, college, or unit falls on each of the seven characteristics that I described. We have a quick guide in the course module with these self-reflection questions. So you want to check that out when we're done with the webinar. And I'll also give you a question to think about now. So to articulate your own organizational culture, think about what people pay attention to and who are your stakeholders whether it be donors, the public, students, inter internal and external clients, faculty, department chairs, deans, etc. Whose opinion matters the most? What does success look like? How do people respond when something goes wrong? And how do leaders tend to react? Are their responses reactive? They want to know who's to blame? Or proactive? How can we move forward? So before you can convey your organizational culture to a new employee, you'll want to reflect on and find the answers to these questions so then you can have those conversations. You can use the quick guide to organizational culture and onboarding to help convey what employees need to know, and that's the guide that I was just mentioning. We also have a new employee conversation guide, and this was developed to help new employees navigate their first year on the job and to give them permission to ask questions because it's hard to know what to ask. And this guide has been out for a while, but we're happy to attach it to supervisory development. And folks have found this to be very useful internally, and we've also been asked by the state of Minnesota and the city of Calgary for permission for them to adapt this resource for their own needs. So please share this guide with your new employees too. So the key takeaways for helping new employees understand organizational culture are, for a new employee, learning about culture in the first few weeks is often more important than learning the job itself. Be sensitive to new employees and the acronyms or language they may not know, and be sure to translate whenever necessary. And that'll help them to recognize the unwritten rules about how things work so they can become productive and engage more quickly. And then finally, it's about teaching new employees about your organization's culture. And to do that, you'll want to reflect and assess it based on those seven common characteristics. So that was a lot of information about organizational culture. We're going to pause for Q&A. Well, there was one question that, that came up a little earlier that's related to this, and I'll paraphrase it a little bit, but it was about, you know, when it comes to organizational culture, how candid should you be with a new employee, particularly about some of the more challenging things that they might run into? And, you know, that's a, that is a very good question, and it's something you'll want to give some thought to because there isn't a single right answer. But I would say that in general, being, being honest, being candid is going to be better than um, not telling a new employee about some of the challenging things they might run into. 
what I, you know, I would also say you want to focus on sort of objective information as much as you can, not sort of your judgment or, you know, value statements about people, but say, talking about sort of what are some of the behaviors that they'll see, um, how are decisions made, and what are some of the things that might get them into hot water with other people. Um, you know, focusing on examples uh, and focusing on behaviors and outcomes and describing those to a new employee can be very, very helpful. Um, and so I would say don't don't shy away from being candid with uh, the person about that, particularly if you know they're going to run into those things right away. Um, otherwise, they'll just not know what they're dealing with and they may uh, get off to a bad start. The head of our department is still developing a culture change. So how do I communicate that information? So I just want to piggyback on what Brandon was saying is just put some thought into it. What exactly would you want to convey about that? And what does the new employee need to know? And so that you can have a thoughtful conversation about that. And it's just be honest and just let them know what's going on and what they're walking into is the best case scenario. Okay, well, in the interest of time, I'm going to keep moving on here, and we'll have a final Q&A at the end. So as Brandon talked about in the beginning, onboarding is really your engagement strategy. It's about motivating and supporting a new person as they join your group and working together toward your common goals. And Brandon also mentioned that just about every new employee starts out motivated and excited for their new job. So if you plan and onboard effectively, what you'll receive is sustained engagement. The supervisory development course is already equipped to support you beyond onboarding. So we're going to review the modules and see what else you can use. Before we do that, we have a poll for you. So which of the following SDC, talk about acronyms, that's supervisory development course modules, would assist you in sustaining engagement with a new employee? And you can select all that apply. So it would be A, Module 1, Feedback and Coaching, B, Module 2, Managing and Evaluating Performance, C, Module 3, Managing Conflict, D, Module 4, Leading Teams, E, Module 5, Employee Engagement, or F, Module 6, Onboarding New Employees. So I am seeing in the chat that someone said, I would value all of these. Okay, so because you couldn't select all, we apologize, but the ones that came in the most would be Module Five, employee engagement, that's pretty obvious. And module six, onboarding new employees, great. And then module one came in as feedback and coaching, and then module two. So that's that's fabulous. And the person who commented that these would all be valuable, you're absolutely right. It's actually all the above, but I just want to refresh with you modules two and five specifically, because they're the ones that are going to give you the most bang for your buck. So when someone has been onboarded, they're still going to need many of the elements that we discussed earlier. But one of the most important things you can do as a supervisor to sustain engagement is establish regular ongoing check-ins to talk about performance and development. And set, ex set performance expectations right away so the employee is aware. And then have these conversations in a way that's supportive and that happen over time. So it's not the annual performance review that everybody dreads at the end of the year. It's about those continuous and regular ongoing check-ins. So module two, managing and evaluating performance, has more information about ongoing check-ins. And then keeping with the plan, onboard, and engage process that we talked about, the other module that can help you after initial onboarding is module five, employee engagement. 
Here you can learn how to sustain engagement through input, discussion, and action. So with action, it can be as simple as wandering through the office and just dropping in and having a conversation about what did you do this weekend? This will create an open dialogue about things that are not stressful and not challenging and builds a culture of camaraderie and investment in each other. And even giving someone a handwritten thank you for a job well done, not only to say great job, but also how can I help you keep this up, is a simple way to create ongoing engagement, especially for new employees. Okay, time for final Q&A. So what else has come in? There's a lot, there's kind of a whole bucket of questions and comments, I think, around sort of the idea that it can be overwhelming. There's so much information, um, and when a lot of people in the initial question about what your experience was, um, a lot of people said it was just sort of too much and it was a lot. And so that's really where having a plan is really, really important. Um, as a supervisor, you know, I've, I've onboarded many people myself, and sometimes I've done it well, and sometimes I haven't. And when I've had a plan and when I've really thought about, okay, what does the new employee need to know and when do they need to know, and then really explaining to that new employee, okay, you're meeting Jim, here's why you're meeting Jim, and then the next day, here's Bob, here's why you're meeting Bob, really explaining why um, is very, very helpful for people. Um, one of the common challenges that that new employees have is they're meeting all these new people. They're not sure why or when they'll run into them again. So that's where I just really encourage you to have a, a, a plan and don't get too ambitious with it in that, you know, spreading it out is probably going to be, be helpful. Um, so that's where I'd encourage you to take a look at the resources that we have for how to build a plan and the different culture elements to think through and so on. Um, there's also a question about, again, about culture, which is great to see all of this um, interest and questions about culture. And um, a particular slide we did have had some questions about culture. And there is a quick guide on the supervising.umn.edu website that has all of those questions. So if you do need to refer to them, you can um, check out the culture um, onboarding um, for culture quick guide. And um, there's also other resources there, too, as well as the worksheet with the different elements um, to walk through to help you build a more effective onboarding plan. There's a question about sharing an example of an onboarding plan. And I know for a fact that there are some really good onboarding plans out there. I've worked with a couple of schools and units. And so what I would do with that is network with other supervisors you know, just start asking around and reach out. We could also entertain, um, you know, putting something like that up on the supervising.umn.edu website. But that is more of a, a resource that you'll want to tap into being in the network of supervisors. Okay, and with that, we are going to end the webinar. We thank you so much for your participation. We'll have the final Q&A or all the Q&A posted on the website within a couple of weeks. And now you'll want to definitely take a look at the online module at supervising.umn.edu. And we'll see you in February. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Supervisory Development Course Podcast. Please explore the onboarding new employees resources on the supervising.umn.edu site. There, you'll find videos, guides, and more to help you immerse new employees into the culture of your organization and set performance expectations and goals. The Supervisory Development Course podcast is created by Leadership and Talent Development within the Office of Human Resources at the University of Minnesota. If you have questions or would like to reach out, please email us at ltd.umn.edu. At